Well, good morning again, Living Church. Thank you so much for the birthday song and welcome, man. I appreciate it. As long as you don't make me put on a sobrero and flap my arms like at a restaurant or something, then I'm going to be good to go. But man, I'm excited to be here with you guys. We're in the second week of our series, We Are Living Church. Everyone say, We Are, we are. Living Church. That's right. You're alive with me at 11 o'clock. I like that. You're with it. And man, together, we are living church. We are the body of Christ. We are the ones that God has assembled to spread his vision and to talk about how great he is. And in this series, we're talking about a lot of great things that God is doing globally, but also what he's doing here in the local church. Last week, we established what the Bible has to say about the purpose of the church, about what God tells us in his word, the purpose of of the churches, because if we don't know what the purpose is, we might as well just stay home, right? It's cold and rainy. Why are we getting out of bed and coming to church? Because we know the purpose, because we know why we're here. So last week, we read out of Acts chapter 2 about how in the New Testament, this is what a healthy church looks like, and it's what we're striving to be. Acts chapter 2, it says this. This is what we preached over last week. It says, they, speaking of the people in the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It goes on and says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs, the miracles that were performed by the apostles. So everyone was at awe. Not just the people in the church, but the people outside of the church were like, hey, what's going on over there, man? That's amazing what God is doing. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in two places, in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all God's people. This is my favorite part. And it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Who knows that a healthy church is a growing church, right? That we're not called to be stagnant, but that God wants to add to what he's doing in the church. So we talked about how this is what the model of a healthy church looks like. and It's what we're striving to become. And so if you boil down all of scripture and look at all the different duties and responsibilities and things God has tasked the local church to do, it all kind of falls into three categories. First is that the church is here to minister to God. That when we come in and we worship God, we're lifting his name up. That's one of our responsibilities as the church. The second is that we would minister to believers. That the church, the leadership of the church, that our responsibility is to feed the people in the church. That we would speak truth. And you know, the Bible tells us in John 8 that when you know the truth, the truth will set you and that there's freedom in the truth. So a part of our responsibility is to speak truth. So the purpose is to minister to God, minister to believers, but then also minister to the world. You know, and one of the greatest things that keeps people away from God are the walls of the church, right? I often say that many times people won't go to church because they've already been. You know, they went once and got offended and got done dirty somehow, and so they say, well, I don't want to go back into church, and that in a way kind of separates them from their relationship with God. So the purpose of the church is to minister to the world, and so you see, it's not that we would only come in and learn, but that we would also go and tell, that the things that God speaks to us and he does in our lives, that we would come and assemble together on Sunday, but then we would go scatter out into the world, and while we're out there, we would be the light. We would be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We would be people showing the love of Jesus. So if you missed last Sunday, I would encourage you, go online, livingchurch.com, click the media tab, and you can watch that message there. We also talked through three metaphors that the scripture gives us about the purpose of the church. You guys remember what they all? You remember some of them? Okay, we're called to be the body. Remember that the church calls the, the, the Bible calls the church the body. It calls us a building. You remember the last one? And it calls us a 
There it is. Y'all are with it. Y'all make me feel good and paying attention, right? That we are the body of Christ. That when Jesus lived on this earth in a physical body, he loved people. And he connected with people. And he healed people. And that as the church, that's our job now. That we're the building. The Bible says that we as believers are called living stones. That we're like building material. We're like two-by-fours and drywall. And that God takes our stories and our collective backgrounds and our experiences and gifts and he puts them together to build a building that people can run into and find refuge. And then how we're also called the bride. And that when you know the bride, that's how you really know the groom. And though it's true you don't have to go to church to go to heaven, you do need to go to church to hang out with the bride to really know the groom. Like you could think you know me really well, but if you've never talked to my wife, then you don't know me that well because she's the most important thing to me. And so we are the body, the building, and the bride. And so we've talked about the purpose of the capital C church, like the global church. But what about the local church? What's the purpose? What's the mission? What are we doing here at the local church at LC? And man, we have the same heart. Our heart is to be a healthy church like in Acts 2, where we would be in unity together, where we would see God adding to our number, where we would see God be doing the miraculous. That's our heart, is to be a healthy church like in Acts 2. And as I look around at everything that's happening here at Living Church, man, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited about the things that he's grown and the things he's doing. Man, I think we have a fun church, right? I think we have a friendly church. I think that we, uh, for where we are, we have passionate worship here, that we know how to go after God. Now, some of y'all are still kind of like, have your toe, like, dip it in, like, should I really, should I really lift my hand above here? You know, you're still trying to figure it out. That's okay, man. I think that we have powerful worship here at Living Church. And so there's a lot of things that are going great. But as I inspect what's happening, I also think that there's some areas that God wants us to grow in. You know, you can't expect what you don't inspect. And so I'm constantly inspecting different ministries and different things happening here at LC. And man, God's doing some great stuff in living kids. You know, there's testimonies and lives being changed in the little guys. But as I inspect what's happening at living kids, I know there's more. I know there's more for the next generation. And I can't wait until we're at a place that we are providing ministry for our kids that is unbelievable. I can't wait until we have a facility that our kids can come into and not want to leave. Right? Who knows that's a good thing, that if, if kids love being at church, then mom and dad want to keep coming. And I can't wait until the kids, they come in and they have fun, and then they make friends, and then out of that we can grow their faith. And as we inspect it, I believe that that's what's coming. Or as I look at everything God's doing in Spark, our student ministry, our teenagers here, man, I'm excited, but I also know there's more. Because I believe with all my heart that the greatest mission field in America is the public high school. And I see God doing amazing things here in Spark, reaching teenagers, but who knows there's more. I believe that God wants to reach that generation, and that one of the greatest outreach arms of the church is to reach teenagers. And so I'm excited to see that all God does, because I know that there's more. And so while I celebrate all the great things that God is doing, I'm also on the edge of my seat kind of anticipating the more that he has, the things that he wants to continue to do here at Living Church. And so I was in service a number of weeks ago uh, in January, preaching in the Joy series. I was getting ready to preach Jesus is the Joy Bringer. And I'm down on the front worshiping, and I felt like the Lord spoke something to me. And he told me, trust in, uh, you're beyond where you are. Not just me, but us as a church. That he was speaking that we are beyond where we currently are. And he was just saying that 
what I'm doing, what I've started, the things that I've lit on fire here inside the hearts of the people is beyond where you are in size, that you're beyond where you are, where you're able to produce. And if God has taken us somewhere beyond where we are, that means that where we are has to catch up to who we are, right? That he's put something big inside of you. We have talented, gifted people here. We have people that love God and love to serve. The reason we love to worship and serve our community is because of y'all, because that's your heart. And so that means that God has more for us, that he's taking us to a whole other place. And man, I'm excited to see all that he does. Over the last six years, God's done a lot of great things. He's done some amazing things and provided in huge ways, but I believe that there's more. As you walk throughout the building, you're going to see a bunch of different asterisks, you know, the logo. You're going to see an asterisk on the wall in the lobby. You'll see it on print material. You'll see it on the front of the building. We have a gigantic 10-foot uh, asterisk hanging on the front of the building. And that's not just a logo to us, but it's something that declares there's more. And, you know, it took a lot of work to get a logo that big. You know, we have a friend in Houston, and uh, we called him up and said, hey, man, let's go big or go home. Make us a big one. So he made us a 10-foot asterisk. It's made out of steel. They wanted us to do it out of foam. I was like, no, we don't know foam. I want steel asterisk. I want 2,500 pounds on the front of the building. So we picked it up, and then we painted it and covered it in Linex, and then we got some guys out here in a crane, and we craned it up, and then we welded it onto the building. And we have this gigantic 2,500-pound logo. And he would say, well, why? What's the point of an asterisk? An asterisk means there's more. It means there's more. It means there's more about this subject. If you're reading in the newspaper back in 1992, right, and you're reading in the newspaper, and you get to the bottom of the page, but there's still more of the article, what is there? There's an asterisk. And so then you've got to turn to the back of the newspaper, and you can find the rest of the content about that idea. And we believe here at Living Church that there's more, that no matter where you are in your relationship with God, that there's more for you, that there's more people to be reached, there's more for our kids, there's more for our teenagers. We believe that there's more. So today, on January 15th, is my birthday, y'all. I'm going to talk, I'm going to preach five points to you guys that get me excited talking about how we as Living Church believe there's more. Point number one is this. We believe our God is a God of more. Everyone say more. We believe our God is a God of more. That we don't serve a weak God. We don't serve a small God. He's not up, a, up in heaven being a mamby-pamby God, right? He's got a plan. He's on the throne, and he's a God of more. I didn't know Rachel was going to read that scripture uh, in her prayer challenge, but it was this. Lamentations chapter 3. I've already had it in my notes. Lamentations 3, starting verse 22. It says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. So if his love never ends, that means there's more. His mercies never cease. There's more. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. So that scripture tells us that God is full of love and mercy and grace. He has more love. He has more mercy. He has more grace. God is an all-you-can-eat buffet of love, right? God has a bottomless supply of grace. He has unlimited refills of mercy. God is a God of more. That no matter who you are, how messed up you've been, no matter what kind of junk you're into right now, that he has love to cover a multitude of sins. And that we serve a God of more. And as a church, the local church, we pursue God more. We're able to do that with confidence because we serve a God of more. But sometimes it's hard to believe that God's a God of more because we sit in a place of lack. You ever been there? that you believe God's a God of more, but personally, it feels like you're in a season of lack or at a place of lack. 
And so what we want to do is we want to hit the eject button and jump out of God's presence and go and figure the problem out for ourselves. But what we need to do is sit in the presence of God, and in his presence, his more will become known to us. So today I want to tell you a couple of my favorite Bible stories. It's my birthday. And so some of my favorite Bible stories that apply to this idea of how there is more. In, uh, in John chapter 6, there's a story that blows my mind. Jesus is teaching a big multitude of people, and he begins to walk out of a town and walk out uh, outside of the city. And these people follow him, thousands of people. The Bible says 5,000 men, their wives and children, up to 15,000 people, follow Jesus out of the city. And he keeps teaching, and he keeps preaching, and people's lives are being changed. And it starts to get later in the day. It starts to get dark. And the disciples, something happens. The disciples get hungry, but then they start to get hangry. You ever been hangry, right? It's like hungry with a little anger in there. And so the disciples, I get that every once in a while, y'all. And so the disciples start getting hangry and they say, Jesus, you've been teaching these people all day. We're hungry. Send them home. Send them into the towns and the villages to get something to eat so we can get up out of here. And Jesus says, you feed them. Like, what do you mean us feed them? We don't have any money. It would take a year's wages to feed all these people. So Jesus says, well, what do you have? They said, we got a little boy's lunch. He's got five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, Hook me up. Give it to me. So Jesus gets the five loaves and the two fish, and all the people there, the 15,000 people and the disciples, are in a moment of lack. They don't have anything to eat. They're hungry. Now they're getting hangry. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm a God of more. And so he takes this little boy's lunch that cannot feed these people, and he prays for it, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he starts to distribute it to all the people. Look what the Bible says in John 6, verse 12. It says, and when everyone was full... When everyone was full, so everyone was empty, everybody was hungry, everybody was lacking, but then Jesus got involved. He's the God of more. And he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over so that nothing will be wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces. So these people walked out to the countryside, had nothing to eat, but in the presence of Jesus, their season of lack came not into a season of being full, but into a place of more. That's why when we say we believe that, there, that our God is a God of more, that's why. Because he doesn't only meet our need, but he lets us go home with a doggy bag of leftovers, right? And so the hangry disciples not only got full, but they had lunch provision for the next day because of the power of God. And here at Living Church, we believe that God is a God of more. And that's why it's easy to trust God, right? When you remember that God's a God of more, it becomes easier to trust him. That's why every month when Rachel and I give, we get excited to tithe because we know that our God is a God of more. Now, I know what happens in church when someone says money or tithe or give is people go click and they go, oh, I'm not with that. But listen, you can't amen one side and then start not paying attention on the other side. And so in the same way that God is a God of more in all of the other needs, he's a God of more in our finances. And he tells us that in Luke chapter 6. It's such a powerful idea. Luke 6, 38. It says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Now, remember, on the countryside, they ate till they're full. But then look at what it says. It says that if you give a gift, if you give your tithe, if you're obedient what God calls you to do, he will return to you in full. But then it says, press down, shaken together, and to make room for more, running over and pouring into your lap, the amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. You see, when we give, God is faithful to give back more because he's a God of more and he has a heart to give us blessing because he's our good father. But we have to get out of this poverty mindset that thinks that God doesn't have it. Can I tell you that God has everything that you need? 
Everything that you could ever ask or dream for or imagine, God already has. And so we have to stay faithful in his presence and receive the more that he has for us. So point number one, we believe that we serve a God of more. Point number two is this, is that there's more for us than those against us. There's more for us than those that are against us. And who, you know, sometimes it's hard being an adult, y'all. Isn't it hard being an adult? Man, like, I wish I could go back to live at my mom and dad's house and let them pay my car insurance and just go to the refrigerator and it's their food. Man, sometimes I wish I could go back to that. It's hard to be an adult. But we have to remember that there's more for us than against us. And when the bills just keep coming in the mail and it feels like, man, there's more against me than for me, God is for us. When you get a negative doctor's report, you've got to remember there's more for you than against you, right? When you get a phone call that you don't know how to handle, when you get a call from an ex that's causing you all kind of drama, you've got to remember there's more for you than there is against you. You see, the Bible tells us all throughout Scripture that God is for us. But it's not just there's more for us individually, uh, but there's more for us as a church. You know, sometimes it can feel like everything is against the church, right? Especially in this political culture, the climate right now, it feels like politicians are just taking a swing at the church whenever they get a chance. Uh, Famous people that have a platform think that they know what they're talking about and they got some stuff to say about the church. And it feels like everybody in society is against the church, but we have to remember is there's more for us than those that are against us. Because last week we read in Matthew 6:18, Jesus said, who's the name above all names, he said, I will build my church and the power of hell will not conquer it. So if the name that is above every other name is with us and is for us, then who's it matter that's against us? So God is with you and God is with us as a church. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 is so powerful. It says, now, All glory to God who is able through his mighty power to work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. You see, all of us, we have a vision of the future for our lives. I have a vision for the future of the church, for our family, for myself. We have a vision. But the Bible says that with God, that he can produce something infinitely greater than we can even imagine. And who knows that sometimes we can have powerful imaginations. That when God is on our side, we can do anything through his power. I told you I was telling you some of my favorite stories. Here's another one. 2 Kings chapter 6. It's a story that is empowering to me because it helps us remember that there's more for us than against us. It's about a prophet named Elisha. And Elisha finds himself in a difficult situation. He's got some enemies that have found where he is, and they have surrounded him in the middle of the night. And we pick the story up in... uh, in chapter 6, it's, uh, and he has a servant with him. It says, when the servant of the man got up early the next morning, he went outside, and there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. So they're surrounded, right? They got no option. There's troops, chores, uh, horses, chariots all around them. They don't have any idea how to get out of there. And he goes back and he says, oh, sir, what shall we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha filled with horses and chariots of fire. You see, so here's what happened. The young man, the servant, he walks out of the house, and he says, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. There's horses and chariots of our enemies surrounding us. And he goes back in and he talks to the prophet. And he says, hey, we're surrounded. We're in serious trouble. But then Elisha speaks truth to him. He speaks truth to him. 
And he says, there's more with us than those that are against us. And he prays that his eyes would be open. And he walks outside one more time. The other horses and chariots and the enemies were still there. But now his spiritual eyes are open and he sees that the people that are surrounding them are surrounded themselves by the armies of the Lord. And who knows that there's more with you than those that are against you. Now I'm preaching better than y'all letting me know at 11 o'clock that God has big things in store for you. That he encompasses your life. That he'll protect you. If, if God is for you, then whom can be against you? We've got to remember that we don't fight a battle against flesh and blood and principalities and powers, but that God has the ability to come alongside and be the God of more. That there's more with us than those that are against us. A couple weeks ago, or maybe two months ago, I got a phone call, and uh, because of a situation that kind of happened when Rachel and I's family with some other people in, uh, in our family, uh, we got involved, and then before we know it, I've got a lawyer calling me. And if you ever got a call from a lawyer, it can be kind of scary. He's yelling at me and screaming at me and saying, I'm going to sue you, and I'm going to put a lien on your house, and I'm coming after your grandchildren's grandchildren, right? All that stuff. He's using every scare attack that he can. And can I tell you something that stressed me out? And so I find myself here on a Sunday morning coming up to a prayer partner crying, like, man, I don't know what to do. This lawyer, this whole situation is out of my control, and I don't know what to do. But then I had to remember something, that there's more with me than there are that, that is against me. And so before we even knew what happened, Rachel and I said, God, this is out of our hands. We didn't cause this problem. This is something that's came into our life to create a distraction and attack us. And God, we put it into your hands. And can I tell you that within two weeks, the whole thing is cleared up, and what became an attack turned into a blessing because we gave it to God. And so no matter what's happening in your life, I want you to remember that there's more with you than there are against you. There's more with you than against you. Point number three is this, that there's more for you individually. There's more for you as a person. There's more for you as a follower of Christ. There's more for you as a son and a daughter of the Most High. There's more for you. You see, no matter where you are in your walk with God, there's more. Whether you uh, today during worship ask Jesus into your heart for the first time, so you've been saved for like 10 minutes, or whether you got saved 50 years ago, you were born under a pew. Like, it doesn't matter where you fall on the spectrum. Wherever you are, there's more for you. That God has more for you. You know, depth is relative. If we were to get an accomplished swimmer, a confident swimmer, and go and drop them somewhere in a deep portion of the ocean where they had the ability to still swim to land, they wouldn't stress out. You know why? They, they're comfortable in the depth. It doesn't bother them. But my son Titus, who's two years old, you put him in a half-full bathtub and walk away, that's kind of a dangerous situation for him, right? Because he's not, a, he's not comfortable in that environment. And so no matter who you are, depth is relative. And so we believe that there's more for you no matter who you are, whether you're an accomplished Christian and you're experienced, and you've been in the deep before, we believe God still has more for you, that his Bible is full of truth, and that no matter how long you study it, it's still full of divine revelation that can impact your life. And whether you just uh, interacted with God for the first time, and you feel like a baby in a bathtub, you've got to know that his word is digestible for you, that it's something that can still be with you, it's something that can still help you throughout your life. We believe there's more for you individually. And because we believe that, it affects how we minister. Because we believe there's more for individuals, it affects how we do what we do. It affects how we teach kids. It affects what we do on Wednesday nights with students. It affects how we handle discipleship and training, and it affects how we preach. Because the way that we preach our heart is that no matter who you are, you can walk out fed. You know, a number of years ago, I was praying, and I felt like the Lord spoke something to me about myself, and sometimes those are good, and sometimes those are really bad, right? And so, so God, he said, trust in, I've created you to turn meat into milk. And that he's, he's 
called me and that my heart in communication is that we can take the deep truths of the word, the meat, the things that are heavy, and that we can process them and that we can work them so that they can, be, they can turn into milk. You see, what we have to be as Christians is food processors, right? We have to process the deep truths and make them easily digestible. We're like a mama bird. You know what a mama bird does? Mama bird goes and gets the worm and pulls it up and chomp, 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 flies back up to the nest and then feeds the baby birds. And she makes something that they couldn't have managed on their own more digestible for them. So our heart is that every Sunday when someone comes in, whether they're new to the Lord or they're a seasoned Christian, that they could walk out being able to digest powerful stuff, that, that no matter their ability of digestion, that they would walk out fed, that they would walk out encouraged. And that's what we try to do. That's our goal here at Living Church, because we believe that there's more for you. We believe there's more for you as an individual. And I think that sometimes churches can fall into a trap of seeing themselves in one of two ways. They can think that we're, they're a seeker-friendly church, where seeker-friendly is great experience, but not a whole lot of content. And then sometimes churches, they say, oh, we're all about the meat, you know, and they only preach the deep truths, but they're not relevant to society. Why can't a church be both? They are. There's a lot of churches that are both, and that's our heart, is that we would be able to bridge the gap and be relevant and be fun and be engaging for people, but let people walk out feeling full and even more. That's our heart. We believe there's more for you as individuals. So it, it determines how we minister. And the point number four is this. We believe there's more for us as a church, that for us as a body, as the building, as the bride, for us as a community, we believe there's more for us as a church. And we don't want to get stuck in the good old days. You know how people can do that? They get stuck in the good old, well, back in the day, man, we used to do all kind of crazy things for the Lord, right? And then you can get accustomed to the good old days, but you stop pushing forward what God has for you. We believe that God has more for the church. Many times we can fall into a trap of becoming comfortable. And becoming comfortable is kind of a dangerous place because when you're comfortable, you don't care about uh, progress. The Israelites found themselves in captivity and bondage for 400 years. And a word from the Lord came that they could be set free, come out of bondage, and they didn't want to go. You know, the reason the Israelites left is because the Egyptians kicked them out, and then they paid them to leave because they had become so comfortable in their negative situation. Then they're in the wilderness. Remember this? They're in the wilderness, and they don't want to leave the wilderness because they're happy that God's just given them free manna. They don't want to have to work for it. God's calling them to the promised land, but they're too scared, so they get stuck where they are. And here at Living Church, we believe that there's more for us as a church. And where we are is not where we're going to stay. Amen? A healthy church is a growing church. And our heart is to grow. Our heart is to continue to advance, to step into the, all the promises that God has for us. If he has great promises for us, why would we be satisfied with where we are and not progress into what he has for us? We believe there's more for us as a church. Isaiah 43 talks about the moment that Moses led the people out of bondage. It says this, God says, I am the Lord who opened a way through the water, making a dry path through the sea. The message version says it like this. He built a road through the waves of the ocean. I love that. It says, I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all of its chariots and horses, and I drew them beneath the waves and drowned their lives and snuffed them out like a smoldering candle wick. That's an amazing miracle, right? I mean, you remember the story of, you know, Moses coming through the Red Sea? It's an amazing story. But look at what God says. I did that crazy miracle, and then he says, but forget all that. Forget all that. Like, I know you're excited about what I did in the past, but forget all that. 
And he goes on and says, it's nothing compared to what I am going to do for you. For I'm about to do something new. You know what God says? There's more. Don't get stuck in the miracle of yesterday. Keep pursuing the miracle of tomorrow. I have something more for you. Our God is a God of more, and because of that is living church, we believe that there's more for us. You know, God's up there in heaven saying, there's more where that came from. I got more for you. I haven't ran out. I'm not tired. And see, this building that we're in right now is beautiful. Man, I'm thankful for this building. I'm thankful for this building because, man, I was getting worn out doing setup and teardown. Remember Quintel? Remember D in the back? Remember setup and teardown? It was exhausting, man. It was a lot of work every Sunday getting here early and put on your work clothes and do the setup and teardown and then put on your church clothes and have church and then tear everything down and put in a truck. It was exhausting. So I'm thankful every day for this building. But can I tell you? there's more. That this is not our final destination. It's not like we got into a building and we're going, we made it. Well, we might have made it out of where we were, but we yet have to make it to where we're going next because God has something more for us. So get ready. Get ready, living church. God has huge things on the horizon. I'm excited to see all that he has to do, which leads me to point number five is this. It's my birthday. Point number five (laughs) is that we believe that there's more people to be reached. Amen. There's more people to be reached. We don't want living church to grow for growth's sake. We want living church to grow for people's sake. That there's more people to be reached. There's people that are far from God. And you know, if I pastor living church for the next 30 years of my life, if I dedicate my life to this place and I say, I'm going to live in Mansfield, I'm going to reach this community for the next 30 years. And let's say you and I go and sit down and have coffee in 30 years. And I say, hey man, you know, how's the last 30 years been? That'd be a weird conversation. You know, we'd be at Denny's because we're old guys by then. So we'd be at Denny's having coffee. I said, how's the last 30 years been? He said, man, it's been great for me. It's been good for my family. I've learned how to serve. I've learned how to worship. I've learned how to tithe. And I'd ask you, I'd say, okay, well, in the last 30 years, have you invited anybody to church with you? Have you led anybody to the Lord? Have you allowed what God's done in you to shine outside of this building? And if your answer was no, then I would consider the last 30 years of my influence on your life to be a failure. Because, you see, what we're doing here is not just about us. It's about all of them. It's about all the people that don't know about how much Jesus loves them, that they don't know that God is full of grace and mercy and love and that he never runs out of it. So we have to remember that there's more people to be reached. You see, the entirety of Scripture, the entire Bible, the purpose of it, is to draw and paint a picture for us about how God is trying to reconcile broken people unto himself. The whole reason he sent Jesus was to fix the relationship between mankind and himself. And so that has to be our priority. And as a church, we believe there's more people to be reached. You see, living church is here to reach people, period. That's why we're here. We're here to reach people, period. Now, we're going to have fun along the way, right? We're going to make friends along the way. We're going to grow in our faith along the way, but we're here to reach people, period. That's what we're doing. That's the goal. The purpose of this church is to reach people that are far from God. You see, there's more souls that need to be reached, and that's why we're here. The chair that you're sitting in right now, feel it? The chair that you're sitting in, it's a tool. It's a tool that we've purchased to be used to create an environment for people to come into and connect to God. So while we come in and we sit in our chair, this small piece of square footage allows for us to grow in our faith and to worship and to be a place that we can exercise our gifts and serve the Lord and serve the church and serve people. But you see, this chair 
only seats one person. And so as Living Church, we have to remember that we can't only thank God for the chair that we have to sit in, but we have to work for the chair for somebody else to sit in. Now, I told you it's my birthday. I'm sharing some of my favorite stories. So I got another Bible story I got to tell you in 2 Kings. There's a story in 2 Kings about a widow who's in a tough situation. She doesn't have any money. She can't pay her bills. And she feels like all hope is lost. She runs into a prophet. And the prophet comes to her and says, well, what do you have? What do you have? What's the little thing that you do have? She says, well, back at my house, I have a little jar with some oil in it that might be worth some money to somebody. He says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to go around town, get your sons, go around town and collect as many jars as you can. You heard the story before? Go and collect as many jars as you can. Go and collect some pots and some pans and some basins and some cups. Go and collect everything. She's on Craigslist trying to buy pots, right? She's doing everything that she can to try to get as much stuff into her house as she can. Pots and pans and vases and vessels and everything. And so she gets it all, and she says to her sons, is that all we can find? I say, yes, mom, that's all we can find. The prophet said, all right, shut the door. So she shut the door, and she took the little bit of oil that she had, and she began to pour it into one of the vessels. And she's thinking that once she pours it out, it's going to be empty. But you know what? There's more. And so she's pouring it out, and the more just keeps coming out, and it's filling up the vessel. And before she knows it, this first vessel is full, and she's like, I can't believe this. So she goes to the next vessel. She keeps pouring, and more just keeps coming, more and more and more. And she's yelling to her sons, and her sons are bringing her pots and pans and cups and dishes, and she's filling them up, filling them up, filling them up, and the, wa- and the oil just keeps coming out. And then she gets to the last vessel, and she sees it getting full, and she's yelling to her sons, bring me another one. And they said, Mom, that's it. And right when the oil got to the very top of the jar, it stopped pouring. Let me ask you a question. Did the oil stop being poured because God ran out of a miracle or because she ran out of a place to put it? You see, we serve a God of more, right? We serve a God of more whose heart is that the church would be seeing people saved daily. And so he's in heaven wanting to pour out his anointing, wanting to pour out his blessing, wanting to pour out great things. It's our job to collect the vessels. So Living Church, this morning is not my we're about to start a building campaign sermon. It's not. It'd be a great one, but that's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is I'm saying, listen, this is what we're called to do. We're called to be a church in our community to reach people. And so we have to be intentional about creating spaces for people to come into and experience God. There's more for us as a church. So we can't just get satisfied in the amazing things that he's done. Though it's amazing when I look around and I see what God's done, but can I tell you, it's just the beginning. God is just getting started. He says, hey, forget about that, but look forward to what's ahead because I've got some great things that are in store for you. Living church will never stop reaching people. We will never stop reaching people. We will never stop reaching people. No matter how big we get, we'll never stop reaching people. Our heart is to stay healthy while keep growing. And so that doesn't mean, you know, anything that grows too fast turns into a monster. So I'm patient. I'm okay. I'm all right for God to bring the growth in his timing. But he wants us to reach people and share his love with them. So someday this room's going to be too small. We'll do a third service or a fourth service or a fifth service. I don't care how many services we do. And then we're going to have to say, hey, you know what? It's time. There's more. It's time. We need to get some land. We got to go build something. We've got to create an atmosphere for more people. Here's why. We have to invest in our future because our future will be the next generation's present. 
and we have to set them up for success. And so in my 30 years, I want to build a church that's not a weak church, that's not some mamby-pamby church, but a church that takes square footage in hell and makes the devil afraid every morning when he wakes up. Because we're here not playing around, we're here to reach people. You see, we serve a God of more. And all throughout scripture, God shows us he's a God of more. When he created the heavens and the earth, he could have stopped. But he said, there's more. When Adam and Eve sinned, he could have just smited them. He could have just killed Adam and Eve. But he forgave and made a sacrifice, and he said, there's more. When he looked down at earth later, mankind was destructive. Mankind was a wreck. But he saw one man named Noah, and he said, there's more. He gave a promise to Father Abraham, but Sarah's womb was barren. And he said, hey, Sarah, there's more. Moses stood in front of the Red Sea with the Egyptians behind him. But God said, hey, Moses, there's more for you. Joshua stood before the walls of Jericho, which were impenetrable. And God said, walk around it seven times because I'm declaring that there is more. You know, Samson, the muscle man Samson, he messed up. Samson screwed up bad, but at the end of his life, he was placed between two pillars, and he said, Father, give me vengeance upon my enemies one more time, and God said, Samson, there's more, and through Samson, he did more in that one moment of his life than he did in all the other years. There is more. Remember David, the little shepherd boy? He stood before a giant, a man of power, Goliath. And David said, I don't come against you with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And he took that rock and he worked what he had and he brought down an unkillable man because God said there's more. But David messed up too. You see, sometimes we don't always have good stories. Sometimes there's more in our bad stories. David's out on his roof and he sees a woman and he lusts after her. And then he asks her to be brought and then he has an affair with her. Then he kills her husband. Then he lies to God. But because he has a repentive heart, God says, there's more. So no matter how bad you've messed up, God looks at you today and he says, there's more. There's one of my other favorite stories in the Bible, Elisha. He stands on Mount Carmel in front of 900 false prophets challenged to show the power of God. And God says, not only will I take up the offering, but I'll take the water surrounding it because I am a God of more. Jonah, remember Jonah? Jonah was called to go to Nineveh, but instead he went the other direction to Tarsus. And while he was there, he got thrown off the boat and swallowed up by a whale. Remember? And swimming in the belly of the whale, God said, hey Jonah, there's more for you. And Jonah went and reached a nation that was unreachable. Ezekiel stood before a valley of dry bones and God said, there's more. Daniel got thrown into a den of lions, but God said, there's more. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown into the fiery furnace, but God said, there is more. Paul and Silas were locked up in prison and they had no way to escape, but God said, there is more. Living Church, we serve a God of more. God sent a little baby down to earth through the virgin birth but he didn't stay a baby, he grew up and became, there's more. One day Jesus went to a party and they ran out of stuff to drink and Jesus said, it's okay y'all, boom, there's more. His friend Lazarus died, remember Lazarus? Jesus walked up to the tomb after he had been dead four days and he said, get up Lazarus, there's more for you. The things that look dead are not dead in the power of Jesus, but there's more. Jesus was betrayed, but there's more. He was beaten, but there's more. He was crucified and killed. But on the third day, he rose and he said, there's more. And Living Church, we've got to remember 
that there's more. If you're hurting, there's more. If you're broken, there's more. If you went through a horrible divorce, there's more. If you can't pay your bills, there's more. I don't care what you've been through, God says there's more. So today, I want us to worship like it. So if you're in your seat, get up on your feet because we serve a God who is big and who is mighty. And at Living Church, we believe there's more and we will accept nothing less because we serve a big God. So let's worship in this morning. Yes! I'm supposed to be done. It's supposed to be Pastor Andrew up here right now, but I had one other thing I wanted to share. You know, some of you might be sitting there going, man, this guy's up here getting all excited, jumping around, hooping and hollering. Why is he acting like that? He's acting like there's 10,000 people in this room and there's only 300. Well, it's not, yeah, it's my birthday, but it's not just that. It's because sometimes in life you have to treat things how you want them to be, not how they are. And you see, if we're going to say that we're a church of more that's going to reach generations and going to reach thousands of people, then we have to begin to operate in that. And so you got to do the same thing in your life. You not, may not feel like getting up and getting excited. You may not feel like fighting that giant or yelling at that wall to fall down. But sometimes we got to treat it how we want it. Because when we treat it how we want it, that's how it becomes what God wants it to be. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the people of Living Church. I thank you, God, for all that you've done and for the miraculous things that you've already provided. But God, we believe there's more. We believe that where we are right now is just the beginning. We believe that as we walk into 2017 and we get ready to celebrate in just a few months our seven-year anniversary, that our seven-year birthday is going to be a year of completion where you do some miraculous things. We thank you, God. And Father, for anyone who walked in here this morning heavy or they see themselves in that season of lack, God, that they would remember to stay in your presence because it's in your presence that it's when we receive the more that you have for us. We thank you, Lord, in your name.